My name is Marie, and this is Likened Unto Me, my personal scripture journey. I read a story, not in the scriptures, in a textbook, actually, a true story about a lady who got a book about trees for Christmas one year. And she decided to take a walk through her neighborhood to see what trees she could find and name, according to her book. Now, the first tree in this book was a Joshua tree. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up, but it's a very, very distinctive tree. Anyway, she was pretty sure that she would not find any of that kind of tree in her area. Four out of the six homes in the cul-de-sac where she had lived for 13 years had Joshua trees in the front yard. Yet she'd thought that she'd never seen them before. She said, once I was conscious of the tree, once I could name it, I saw it everywhere. So likening this to my life and to the scriptures and to the gospel, parts of the gospel are like that. In 2 Nephi chapter 9, verse 9, Jacob warns that Satan transformeth himself nigh unto an angel of light. He is so good at counterfeiting truth that if we don't name it, we can easily miss it. And he doesn't just take things to an opposite extreme. He takes it just barely off from the truth that we can easily be deceived if we're not careful. So the Joshua Tree Lady, her name is Robin Williams, also said, Once you can name something, you're conscious of it. You have power over it. You are in control. One thing that Satan counterfeits is guilt. Now the syntax for what I'm about to explain can get kind of confusing. So here's the three terms I'm going to be using. There's guilt which is a general form for feeling bad about something. There is godly sorrow, which is God's version of feeling bad about something. And there is shame, which is Satan's version. Other people may use these words a little bit different than me in different contexts and things, but this is how I'm using them today to keep things clear. So godly sorrow is the form of guilt of feeling bad about something we did or didn't do that our Heavenly Father uses to help us change, to help us repent, to get closer to Him. He allows us to feel a little bit of what we will have to feel if we refuse the atonement of Jesus Christ. It's a great motivator. It's a miserable feeling, and it can get us to move and to change. But I found that there's more to it than just that. God doesn't make me feel awful about every little thing that I'm currently falling short in. That kind of feeling is actually debilitating. I mean, where do you start when you're staring at a mountain that you can't see the top of? Maybe there isn't a top. So what's even the point of climbing it? Heavenly Father gives us things line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. He gives us one small mountain at a time. He does the same with guilt. With godly sorrow, he gives us just enough to help us know that we need to change something. And even 
the guilt for one thing, the godly sorrow for one thing can be plenty, and he'll keep pushing us until we change. And it's usually just one thing at a time. He also accompanies this godly sorrow with an action, something we can do that will help to alleviate this guilt, to get us on the path to repentance, to get rid of it. He sends hope that this feeling can go away. He does not want us wallowing in a pity pit, not doing anything. He wants us to move on, move up, and get closer to him and our Savior. And that's how we feel his love in the midst of guilt, through that hope that comes with godly sorrow. Now, Satan's version of guilt is different. His is shame. He will totally overwhelm you with everything you are falling short in and try to convince you to hide, that you're not worth it. He'll even throw in some things that don't even matter just for the sake of making you feel bad. He wants you to be completely immobilized. He wants you to see a mountain, a sheer cliff even, with no handholds that is so tall you have no hope of ever making it to the top. He wants you to flop down in the mud, throw up your hands, and give up. He'll be even happier if you choose to be like the Nephites at the end of the Book of Mormon who cursed God and wished to die. Satan will throw everything at you all at once. He also offers no hope. He tells you there's no way to fix it or that you'll never be as righteous as that person. He wants you to give up because this is the fifth or the tenth or the hundredth time you've gone through the repentance process for this and it's just not working. He wants you to think there is nothing you can do. You're just going to have to live with this feeling forever. But these are lies. They're counterfeits. And just like Robin's story of seeing the trees once she knew their name, if we can name or define Satan's strategies and tactics, we will see them for what they actually are. We will have power over them. Guilt is a good thing. It's uncomfortable and it gets us to change because we all need to change. But Satan will counterfeit it because that's what he does. Guilt in the form of godly sorrow comes one thing, maybe a couple things at a time and always with hope and an idea of something that we can do to make it better and get rid of it. A goal you can set, someone you should talk to, something. And God's love is always behind it, trying to pull you into the light. Satan just piles on the guilt, the shame. He wants you weighted down, unable to do anything, and believing there's nothing you can do. He wants you to hide it, to feel alone in the dark but you're not. So start naming the ways that Satan transforms himself and other things nigh unto light, close to truth, but not quite. And also start to name God's true version. Describe it, learn it, experience it. You'll see that the adversary is real, that he's working hard, that he fakes and counterfeits everything but you'll also see ways to combat him. You'll see God's way, and you'll see the path the Savior made to win, to conquer the enemy of righteousness. And once you see it, 
once you name the differences between the two, that's when choices become clear. That's when you take power to yourself. And that's when you feel the real power of the agency your Heavenly Father gave you. Thanks for listening. Any quotes or scriptures or stories that I used are cited in the description. This is likened unto me, my personal scripture journey.